0: To not good enough An inadequate response To inadequate responses I'm Mitch Alexander I'm Tom Lang And I'm Evie And we've got Isaac The dog that always rolls over In our headphones Fact checking and demanding We pay back the 35 cents He lent us for lollies Despite the fact He's refusing to pay back The 39 million dollars He claimed through JobKeeper <laughs>
1: That's Mitchy's puzzler at the top of the episode. Uh, it will become clear what we're talking about later.
0: What's that all about? I will say as well, the dog that always rolls over is a red herring. Isaac wanted me to still call him the dog that rolls over. And I fucking said to him, if it's weird, I'm making sure everyone knows that it was his idea. And it was Isaac's idea. But also, uh-huh. he is the dog that always rolls over. But in a weird twist, I capitulated to his request to call him that for the podcast <laughs> intro. And now I also feel like a dog that's rolled over.
2: I can't believe you guys are just kink-shaming between each other now. It's just a bit weird.
0: (laughs) It's very fucking weird. But um, Isaac made himself millions of dollars through the JobKeeper scheme and is refusing to pay it back and refusing to... Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I misread the notes. Josh (laughs) Frydenberg is refusing to make people pay back JobKeeper, not Isaac. My bad, guys. (laughs)
1: Look, it's it's kind of a complicated story, this one. Um, And, I mean... The friggin' entire welfare COVID thing has been stupid complicated because the government has this thing against giving you money unless you're a big company. They are allergic to it. They hate yeah, it. Yeah. Because you have to maintain the nexus.
2: It's just really funny to constantly remember hey, like, remember that time when Kevin Rudd gave us all 900 bucks into our bank account? But apparently. <laughs> no,
0: I can't forget. Evie, I cannot forget, you mention it every week and I love it every time you bring it up.
2: It makes me so mad.
0: (laughs) It makes me happy. The memory of that does make me happy. Thinking to a simpler time where his like big beaming moon face was just like, oh here you go then, have 900 bucks. And I was like, oh, thanks, Ruddy. Because, you know, I was barely out of high school. It's like
2: your dad giving you money for the milk bar, a reference that doesn't even apply to me because we didn't have a milk bar when I was growing up and my dad didn't give me pocket (laughs) money, so.
0: (laughs) You're just living vicariously (laughs) through the memories of others you've heard about. Oh, it's like this thing you remember. (laughs) Sorry, Lang. Yes, you were saying about the, <laughs> <laughs> the rotting <laughs> corruption of the JobKeeper program yeah. as a money transfer.
1: Like, uh, uh, some people might be confused about the JobKeeper-JobSeeker thing, mm. and that's fair because it's bullshit. Um, <laughs> so, basically, JobKeeper was- um, they, they paid about $90 billion to companies and then JobSeeker was for individuals. Um, but the thing with JobKeeper is it turns out it was meant to be for companies that had experienced a downturn. So, um, it was meant to be Companies with a thirty percent drop in turnover during the pandemic, and obviously, you know, a lot of people aren't going to shops or bowling alleys or whatever. Or um, if you're running a time zone, you're probably in trouble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hairdressers. Um, <laughs>
2: again, <laughs> again, absolutely.
0: Spite in your voice.
1: Great, ex- great examples of, of companies that have have experienced a, a a loss and maybe need to keep paying their rent because landlords are redacted, um, or need to, like, keep employees on, on the books or whatever. Got to maintain the nexus.
2: It, it's just, like, it's meant as it, like, in, it's intended to yeah. have a framework of job retention. Never mind yeah. that you could say, hey, it's illegal to fire anyone. By the way, we're paying all your employees this much money. It's, yeah. th- the way they chose to do it was through businesses.
1: Or they could say no one has to pay rent to their corporate overlords. Yeah. But, no, yeah. they chose to do it this way. The problem is... They fucking handed out so much money to companies and entities that didn't have a loss, like Harvey Norman doubled their profits because everyone was buying computers and webcams and stuff. They doubled their profits. Um, but they still got a big old pile of JobKeeper. Nine Entertainment, a TV station. What's everyone doing right now? They're at home watching TV. Their profits were up <laughs> 79%. They
2: own Stan too. <laughs> yeah.
1: They got $15 million in JobKeeper plus had their broadcasting fees waived. Now, the government doesn't seem to care about this. Scott Morrison actually was was very dismissive of this. He um, was like, oh, we're not going to get these businesses to pay this stuff back because we're not in the politics of envy.
0: What a fucking thing from Scott Let's not
1: be jealous about Harvey Norman getting a huge pile of taxpayer money for fucking nothing. That's envy. No, it's not envy. That's my money.
2: He seems pretty envious, like, of all the Centrelink recipients that got, like, about $5 worth of rental assistance. And he's like, oh, give me that back give me
1: it back. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to get to that later, but <laughs> yeah, there was JobSeeker just to people on Centrelink. They're fucking trying to claw that back now. Anyone who's got a cent more than they think they should have, they're trying to claw back from the individuals while letting companies keep huge amounts of money. Anyway, all this stuff has happened. Everyone knows it's a rot. A huge chunk of this money went to companies that didn't need it. The government doesn't seem to care. And so a few politicians from other parties, we've got Rex Patrick from- He's the Centre Alliance?
2: Sounds like a fake name, Rex Patrick. It's like Rex Hunts Fishing World. (laughs) What is Rex Patrick doing in Parliament?
1: So, Rex Patrick, who's an independent, tried to fight this whole thing because it's very transparent. We don't actually know which companies have got how much JobSeeker and how much money they've got. Um, He put an amendment through to try and get the tax commissioner to publish all the companies who earned more than $10 million, who got JobKeeper.
0: That seems Which fair. Which
1: seems like the kind of thing, you know, if you're giving a bunch of public money to companies, it yeah. seems like we should have some transparency. You know, I'm not
0: envious of that money leaving. It's my fucking yeah. money. I want to know what happened to it.
1: It's like whenever we pay a grant or we buy something with tax money, we, we get a receipt. It's public money.
0: <laughs> Lang calling for receipts. A hundred percent. Like, yeah. that's actually a really good way to think about it. It's just like, sorry, if you're like- you take money from my wages and then you spend it. Oh. I should fucking know roughly what it's going to. At the very least, I mean, I understand the arguments against it would be, I understand the arguments against it would be, or you know, you, you ca- we can't be disclosing all of the different like sure. company things going on, and there's some sensitive information there. But mm. there shouldn't be a total, complete no. lack of transparency in in anything to do well, with that's my tax code. <laughs>
1: Because here's the thing. Yeah, sure. Let's not go disclosing your company's private earnings and tax stuff. That's between you and the tax office. okay? But but at this point, the company has applied for JobKeeper. Um, They've said we need JobKeeper because we're not making a profit. We're like, here's a big chunk of money. At that point, I think it can be on a record somewhere, especially when it becomes obvious that a bunch of these are rorts. And Mm -hmm. so Rex Patrick, with some backup from Labor, pushed for this amendment. It got rejected by the coalition. Labor backed down, which was very embarrassing <laughs> for them because there were a couple of Labor people who were like, yeah, this isn't good enough. Um, Andrew Lee was one of them. The coalition, frigging Freidenberg, who's the treasure- treasurer, basically did what you said, Mitch. He claimed it was a privacy thing. He said, oh. The confidential information that's the subject of this order has been collected by the government under tax secrecy laws, which restrict both the use and sharing of that confidential information.
0: Oh, weird. Uh, w- weird that it was set up deliberately like that.
1: Yeah. What the it, fuck? It doesn't restrict the use of it by, like, the tax office, because that's how tax works. Um, <laughs> It doesn't restrict the use of it for, like, economic shit. If you were using it properly, we wouldn't have- it's bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> they said, oh, whoops, we gave too much money. There's no way to know. But fucking you have a Centrelink RoboDebt, which is private information between a citizen and the government. They have no worries scouring through your bank accounts to figure out when you were working or when you took a day off or how many cents you accidentally got too much of.
2: It's just, like, I feel like job keeper and seeker are one of those things that is the consequence of a government... That is realized that there are no consequences for their actions um, right before coronavirus, and have like consistently done quite a few things where you know everyone calls for a royal commission and blah 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 oh. <laughs> and, and, and and it's not going to achieve anything because nothing no actual punitive punishment happens from investigating yeah. those things. So when you have a situation like that, that means they can look at it and go, "Oh, well, you know." We we can do this – you know, we can break the restrictions we have in place for um, distributing JobSeeker – or JobKeeper, Mm. sorry – God, why do they call it two similar things? Anyway, um, yeah. For, for, yeah, for that for reason, di- for, distrib- for what just happened to you, then yes, 100%. exactly. <laughs> they, they have to have that illusion of it, like all just being like a oh, where this is put in place for your benefit, and you should be grateful for it. Um, and also, you can't question when people who do get it in a way don't have to have it clawed back in any way, because that's the yeah. thing. If it was, if it was a non-means-tested. Generous payment to people to stay home or to not work, it would in a, in a just society, <laughs> putting very large quotation marks around that on my own <laughs> podcast. It would be means tested after the fact by income tax. You know, you'd have to pay sure. income tax on it. Like, you know, if you already earn X amount of money and then you get this distribution payment, it would become it would come back to the government in tax, but. The only way they, you know, would seek to claw this back from people who they feel as they don't deserve it is to mean test the lowest economic bracket possible and then just say, well, you're just envious of people who made a profit after they got JobKeeper.
0: Fucking oh, the en- the envy line, as if like me looking me looking at Harvey Norman getting fucking twenty two million, and then looking at my friends getting like three hundred bucks. And what I'm pissed off at is like, oh, he got so much more. It's like, no, hmm. they're fu- they're different fucking things, aren't they? I-,
2: I should say though that that even in itself is a deliberate thing because so many measures by the government during this crisis. Honestly, feel like it's designed to turn people against each other and say, "Well, you got this. Why don't I have that?" And, and like, yeah. I see it in so many places. I see it in like my friends in the art arts turning on my friends in. It's making us fight for scraps. Industries, yeah, it makes you fight for scraps. People who are in edu- in higher education fighting over like the like the two dollars mm. that's left for art grants. There's nothing yeah. left.
1: Mm. I mean, and I mean, everything they've been doing this pandemic has just been funneling vast quantities of money to their mates, pretending it's for all of us and then acting like we're getting pissy when we complain about having to starve in the streets. I mean, the, the thing that pisses me off here is that we're not even asking for that much information. We're just wanting the government to tell us who you gave money to and how much you gave. Don't disclose their tax information. I don't care. Fucking the profits of Harvey Norman are easy to find out because they have dividends and stuff. They publish a, a quarterly report that says, here's how well we did. Um, we just want the government to tell us who you gave our money to. Um, New Zealand does this. New Zealand <laughs> has has um, transparency on on. A lot of its, its JobKeeper kind of equivalent. And a big chunk of that has been repaid by companies who have got too much. Australia doesn't have that transparency. We've said, oh, if you got too much, maybe repay it if you want. Um, and Scott Morrison has the gall to say we're being envious because he's given our money to someone else. He's like, oh, well, I gave them a gajillion dollars. Why are you envious of that? Uh, cause you gave them a gajillion dollars of our money to fucking Jerry Harvey, the biggest dick in Australia um <laughs> and and so the fact that labor backed down so hard on this is is classic labor but it is nice to see other politicians kind of calling them out on it <laughs> like That's, some of this is fucking good Rex Patrick who has this classic like kind of rural independent th- t- turn of phrase he says a senior cabinet win- minister once told me they love playing chicken with the labor party because they always swerve <laughs> <laughs>
0: The weakest shit. Just get copping the fucking you are piss from Senator Patrick. That yeah. that's gotta hurt. <laughs> fucking losers. Spineless gelatinous fucking blob sitting in the opposition party. <laughs> <laughs> But also the idea, like yeah, they love playing chicken with the Labor Party because they always swerve. As if Labor and Liberal are driving in opposite directions to each other, they're not. They're yeah. in a flotilla heading down the highway together, <laughs> they, they are honking their horns like fucking piglets over the same gas fucking drilling expeditions and shit. They love it. There's nothing to really swerve against.
2: Can I call? Can I call? Can I call whoever wrote this? In the notes for the podcast out, I, I just want to let our listeners know a little insight into our mentality when we make notes. Someone has described jobskeeper, uh, job seeker and job keeper in shorthand as jobby, so I just keep on, <laughs> I yes. keep on reading yes. it fucking as hell. gobby when I'm like going through the fucking <laughs>
0: Back on track we 'll have none of that filth <laughs> on this podcast, maybe none of that filth at all. Um, the other quote that I, the other quotes that I like were from um, Jackie Lambie, our problematic fave, who you know sometimes gets it right yes, but overall uh, I think she's a piece of yeah. shit um, but Lambie said, at least have the courage to stand up against these animals over here, she said, referring to the Liberal Party. You are slapping the little person, and I thought labor was better than that, which you know is a powerful <laughs> sort of statement, Did but also lie? lambie. No, you didn't. No one does. No <laughs> one thinks the Labor attention? Party are better than that. Don't Please don't insult our intelligence like that. Um, and the other one from um, Rex Patrick from the 9th of August saying that, uh, this is a tweet, uh, with a really cute pic. Uh, Labor has capitulated on supporting a law that requires the tax commissioner to publish the name of companies that receive JobKeeper and the total amount they received. Labor are like a dog that rolls over every time Scott Morrison stares them down. And there's a pic of an old dog with its legs in the air. Which is so stupid and cute. It's the dumbest shit. <laughs> yeah. But also, I, 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 I do not think you will get a better mental image of Albo and the current opposition party mm-hmm. than a dog that very slowly, when it's being looked at, just goes to the ground and slowly rolls over. <laughs> says, oh, please, please
1: don't stare. <laughs> Fucking
0: Labour Party.
1: Grow up. <laughs> I'm not going to eat you. I wanted to give you a pat. He's like, go yeah. I'm sorry. No, what no it's cool we won't do it again you've been kicked too much um and and this is like fucking i'm i'm just angry about labor because i'm reading this thing that andrew lee who was a labor minister who, who was quite like oh it's got to get paid back labor knows what the right thing is because they can write about it very nicely he's done this little uh whatever you call it a speech, but online. A blog. I don't know. A <laughs> statement.
0: <laughs> a Twitch stream.
1: <laughs> he said, he said, it wasn't Liberal Party money. It was taxpayer money. Taxpayers have a right to know how it was sp- spent. In Britain, taxpayers know every firm that got their job retention scheme. In New Zealand, they know. In the United States, they know. There's nothing left wing about accountability. Um, he goes on, he says, Australians know that giving the JobKeeper to Harvey Norman and Solomon Liu didn't save any jobs. Billionaire shareholders and millionaire CEOs help the super yacht industry, but it doesn't lower the Australian jobless rate. What are they hiding? He goes on and on. It's really good stuff. And then they're like, and then, you know, the the coalition rejects a bid to make it public and the Labor Party backs down from insisting on it. So you didn't believe that hard. Good. Good to know. You won't fight for us.
0: This is a thing that the Labor Party does every time. We'll get to another example of this a bit later in the show. But- if you watch their voting record, they will only ever vote for things that will not pass. If they if yeah. they if there's something that will help poor people which isn't in their remit or if they will um, if there's a vote that comes up about fossil fuels or things like that, they will talk a big talk and they will make amazing speeches like this which horribly prove that they fucking know what they're talking about and they know the stakes of this and they will vote against it. Mm. If it will, of course, be fucking stopped by the Liberal Party, or whatever. But if there is actually a chance that they could use their power and they could influence decisions and legislation in this country, they will always fall into lock- lockstep with the Liberal Party yeah. because they are spineless, weak, little dogs that always roll over, and give them a little scritch on
1: the belly. They will not fight for anything.
2: And, and then when that criticism comes in that they rolled over, they'll say, well, we're not in power. Maybe, oh, shut maybe up. you should you vote for to You're the opposition
0: party, you're going to post shit. Yeah. They're
1: keeping yeah. their powder yeah. dry. It's the
0: whole thing. They're not in power, which means they can't pass things like this. But the thing the opposition party can do is get together <laughs> with parties like the Greens and with crossbenches and they can stop the worst excesses of the government. That yeah. is the entire point of an oppositional party.
2: Even then, even as a principled stand, you could allow either your your party members right. to vote against it. Like, I, I have always been of the, you know, idea that forcing you the, all the members of your party to vote in unison, uh, otherwise they have to resign to the backbench, is a ridiculous proposition. Um, people should be allowed to vote however which way they feel, especially from a moral standpoint. Uh, um, like <laughs> You think of, like, people like Jed Kearney or whoever thi- who thinks they're going to do change from the inside – what goes through their head as a labor party member when they have to vote for something that is actually not in their own personal policy interests like that just rots you from the inside
0: oh i'm doing the best i can doing the best i can we're doing, we're doing we're making effective change it's a slow and steady process and one day yeah. i'll die safe in the knowledge that while i didn't achieve anything i tried i guess <laughs> cool
1: yeah you can't you can't you can't slow and steady your way out of this stuff
0: So climate change continues um, at pace. I'm not sure if you've heard about it. If you watch the news, you bloody wouldn't hear about it. Am I right, Uh, guys? Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, climate change is still an issue. Um, still hasn't been fixed. Uh, still going to kill us all. But in response to the latest IPCC report, which we covered extensively on the show because we're good to you, um, the Tasmanian Greens put forward a motion to declare a climate emergency, mm. but it was voted down by the Liberal government. Uh, in this instance, it was supported by the Labor Party in Tasmania, again, because there was no threat of it actually going through.
1: And it it was just a climate emergency. It wasn't any real policy. It was just like, yeah. hey, the climate's a thing.
0: It was just, it was just hey, a bunch of scientists, Scientists have shown unequivocally that we're in a climate emergency. Should we recognise that? And the Tasmanian Liberal Party went, no. Scientists? What do those eggheads know about the environment? I'm listening to frackers. Um, But Peter Gutwin, the uh, Tasmania's premier... And climate change minister said, One of the things that really concerns me is climate change. No, I paraphrased that last bit. He didn't (laughs) say that at all. Um, He said, one of the things that really concerns me is some of the extreme language that is used and that is actually frightening some of our children. We should be proud of our emissions profile. We should be proud of where we stand in terms of renewable energy. First off, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be proud at all. We're fucking terrible on it. And at the moment, the fucking private sector, the fossil fuel industry is doing better. On climate change than any of the fucking Government state or federal in this country But also <laughs> I'm concerned about the extreme Language that is used Frightening some of our children this is You such know what bullshit. else is frightening some of our children Having to get on a fucking boat As it looks like midnight At 10 o'clock in the fucking morning And float out into the middle of a hot lake As their entire fucking town burns down around them
1: You fucking decrepit Cunt Yeah, like this also, he's saying, oh, we can't declare a climate emergency because that's scary. The fucking government is constantly dealing with stuff that frightens children. (laughs) They have sexual assault laws. They deal with tax (laughs) evasion. They're, They're getting up there making bills about refugees being terrorists and- bills about like coronavirus lockdowns all of those are scary things because the world is a scary place and politicians are here to make laws to protect us from the scary things and they do that every day
2: the whole notion of climate like you can't acknowledge climate (gasps) change because it's too scary and you might scare children like that is the (laughs) oldest trick of climate deniers in the book and the government is using it as a reason to vote down this kind of policy like of course Incredible. they don't believe that it's, you know... It's pathetic. It's something worth bringing to the table because they can easily dismiss it as, oh, well, you're all fear mongers.
1: I'm just imagining the government, every time someone says the word climate change and they all gasp and go, oh, and look around. And go, I can't say that.
0: Oh. <laughs> 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 Yeah, everyone's scandalised in the Tasmanian fucking parliament. Just, they've never heard of this thing called climate change. You know, Tasmania, the place that had the hole in the ozone layer above it
1: you know <laughs> they've all they've all brought a five year old in so every every time someone <laughs> says climate change, they can gasp and clutch their ears <laughs> don't listen don't listen to
0: the fact they 've got a child in Parliament who's like the canary <laughs> in the coal mine if the child starts crying they 're not allowed to pass any laws related to what upset him <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> there's no laws passed about lunch breaks anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But then, I mean, this week has been just fucked for Australia's response to climate change and the IPCC report. Indirectly, I will add. The direct response to the IPCC report has been to go, yeah, okay, and that's it. Um, but in another story, which is very definitely fucking angered up my blood, is Labor doing their, uh, we'll vote for it, but we're not happy about its stance yet again. This time about proper, like, direct problems with climate change. So for, for the full context, there is the Beedaloo Basin. It's a prime gas drilling and mining land where, where they use fracking, um, which is uh, used to extract wealth for billionaires and hasten our climate death. It's where they pump gas into the earth and they kill a bunch of fish. That's all I know about it. Uh, the Beedaloo Basin, like I said, in the Northern Territory, about 500 kilometres southeast of Darwin. It sits over the Cambrian limestone aquifer, which is some of the best freshwater in the region that is dependent on groundwater like most of the fucking Northern Territory. And the Liberals, in response to the IPCC report, presumably, have put together a new grant to give $50 million to fossil fuel companies towards drilling for gas. You know that thing that we absolutely cannot do any more of? (laughs) They've given $21 million of that uh, $50 million grant to a company called uh, Empire Energy for exploration grants for the area. Uh, Two other companies. One's called Sweet Pea Petroleum and the other's Falcon (laughs) Oil, which are fake. Those are fake names. Um, They have been involved uh, with... They've got links to tax havens and Russian oligarchs, which is amazing, because just Sweet Pea Petroleum and Falcon Oil are the names that, like... Like the, the people that have met, wanted to set up those fake businesses have gone to their six-year-old kid and be like, give me a name for a company. And I was like, Falcon P. Oil. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that works. Yeah, Sweet Pea Petroleum. Cool, I'll call it that. So the Liberal Party have given out way too much money to fossil fuel companies to explore for gas in the Beetleju Basin. And the Labor Party have gotten totally up in arms about this, especially when it comes to Empire Energy. Because Empire Energy have ties to none other than Angus fucking Taylor. They have um, Paul Espy as the company's chair. He's a frequent liberal donor um, and the uh, largest shareholder of Empire, the Tasmanian billionaire Dale Effenstone, Elpenstone, fake name again. He has extensive connections to the Liberal Party as well. He has political donations through to it, blah, 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 blah. And they have also set up these um, like fly-out meetings and site explorations that politicians love doing for Angus Taylor and the chairman of the Hume Foundation, Ryan Arrold. The Hume Foundation is a Liberal Party fundraiser for the seat of Hume, and Angus Taylor's seat is the seat of Hume. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: it's a big bunch of friends getting together and being like, Taylor, you have access to the people with the wallet in the Liberal Party. Can you give us some money? And he goes, yes. Can you give us some money? And they go, yes. And it's just rich people funneling money from the public sector and the private sector into their own fucking pockets. Um, Or as they like to call it, their own family-run investment schemes.
1: And look, if they want to bloody wrought money to their rich mates, can't they just do it with like sports grounds or something? (laughs) parks? (laughs) Does it have to be fracking?
0: Angus Taylor's longest rort seems to have been in the energy company. We covered this in an episode ages ago. What's the go with Angus Taylor? Where we, like He's been starting companies that do energy stuff oh, yeah. and then they collapse and then he's got subsidiaries and then they go to the Cayman Islands the whole fucking thing. And
1: they're offshore shit. But yeah.
0: so anyway there was a Senate inquiry into Empire Energy because obviously this looks pretty fucking corrupt. They have way too many ties to the Liberal Party. We want to get out of gas fracking and gas exploration and the Liberal Party are giving them tens of millions of dollars. So the Labor Party stood up and went, you know what, we're going to refer the grants to the Auditor-General because there might be a a conflict of interest here. And then the Greens went, oh, fucking great. Do you also want to block that $50 million worth of money going through so they can't actually act on it? And Labor went, of course not. We're very pro-gas and we're very pro-climate change. And so they fucking backed down again. The Labor Party voted down the motion from the Greens to block that money going through, and the Labor Party, if they sided with the Greens... Would have stopped it. They had the fucking numbers. It's yep. fucking
1: incredible. Labour's gone, oh, this is bad. This is clearly corrupt and we don't want this and climate change is a problem. Let's get it looked at. Do you want to stop it? No, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> we, we just want to look at it. Um, we want to watch the money as it goes past <laughs> into Angus Taylor's pockets.
2: Just with the little wings that you see in the emoji, the, just the money <laughs> flying by.
1: Yeah. It's this classic thing of Labor believes in the system. They think that the system is good and that all of this money, oil, fracking, investment stuff is fine. Every now and then you need to look closely at it. But it's probably all good hmm. because it's the sh- same shit the Labor Party is doing in all the Labor states. And, and it, you know, up in Adani and all of that. It, they started looking at every dodgy fossil fuel project ah. Oh, Oh, where would they be? <laughs> yeah.
0: Also unrelated, they always try to vote down a uh, federal ICAC, which is really weird. So, like, huh. again, happy to pass on these ideas of a conflict of interest with these gas companies and these energy companies and go like, oh, can, can we please send this to one of the many, many useless things that we have mm-hmm. in this country that will go, hey, that looks really bad. Please don't do it. Please. This is not legally binding. And both parties go, yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's just, it. it's, and I mean, I don't even really care so much about this idea of the conflict of interest stuff because this is just the Labor Party trying to score some political points. Every single project ever has some sort of conflict of interest in there somewhere. Like the idea that you can be a lobbyist for any type of firm that has enough money to uh. go to the government and not become friends with people in the government is absurd. they the people you spend all your fucking time with. Every single thing that is approved through the government is approved by people that know each other. These sort of things always happen. Companies are always flying politicians out to show them around and make them feel important. Like, that's not the thing that gets me. And the thing that gets me is that the Labor Party had a chance to fucking put their foot down and go, no, we will not support any more of these activities that are directly hastening climate change. They're directly putting carbon into the fucking atmosphere. They had a chance to do it and they just turned their back on it, despite the fact that they, again, like in the story just before, said, oh, but we're bloody angry about it and we reckon it shouldn't happen. (laughs) Someone should do something.
1: No, spine, Because, yeah, they know theoretically what is right or wrong, but they just don't really care that much. They will say what suits them and then they'll turn around and do what they've just always been doing.
2: In addition to this, uh, traditional owners have told the Senate inquiry um, that they feared fracking would poison their water and destroy their land. Um, And they they, they weren't given any information about the plans or told of any risk posed to the land by the fracking progress. Um, This is, I should point out, This is a complimentary thing to the investigation that was happening into the explosion of Duke and Gorge by Rio Tinto. Like, there's so many of these just outrageous, you know, let's smash the glass first and ask forgiveness later, just by us onto traditional land and, you know, not even having any sort of recompense for traditional owners. So Johnny Wilson, who was speaking for the Nerdalingi native title Aboriginal Corporation, said it was very disturbing that the government was handing so much money to oil and gas companies while local communities struggled to obtain even basic infrastructure. He says, I still live in a tin shack. My floor is bare ground. Where do I get money for my housing and stuff that I need to put on our land? We constantly... Sh- just constantly have this thing where we're constantly mining these communities for all their natural resources and not even having the grace or the understanding to even giving them shelter.
1: I mean, they, they tend to get kind of just blackmailed into this. You, you, you get a couple of people, you sort of strong arm them into signing some stuff, and then before you know it, they've set up a, a gas refinery on some pristine bit of wilderness. Um, And it's the kind of stuff that's happening all over Australia. I mean, yeah, again, you see Duke and Gorge. No one was agreeing to having that shit blown up, but the laws protecting people are almost non-existent.
0: Ah. Yeah, the idea that we've got these native title acts and and, and legislative powers and laws in place and whatnot only serve to highlight the fact that if you have enough money, like if you're, say, a fossil fuel company, you can get around them. Like yeah. worst case scenario, you'll get a fine, which will not make a dent on your profits, let alone your like gross income for a year. And you can go, ah, yeah, damn, we lost some social capital with that. Oh well, like yeah, yeah like I don't think it should be a you know it it should be well we can frack their land, but we should give them better houses. But it's sort of like no, that, that's at least <laughs> their mentality, and they still don't even do that.
1: Yeah, at most they're going to give him a shitty sports ground or something.
2: The, this is the thing I was going to say. So, um, Corey Bernardi, a total shit cunt, doesn't even deserve the the, the necessity of an introduction. Um, just this morning, he was like, "Oh yeah, I really love triggering people who use pronouns and traditional landowner losers." I'm like, "Hey, first of all, oh, what a dump! Traditional
1: landowner yeah, losers. Yeah, so that's
2: a new sledge. So, what? What Holy I fuck. what I realized." By him saying that is that, of course, so many of the people who are in parliament don't even take the notion of traditional right. landowners seriously. So why would they, you know, go into this policy with any sort of good faith? These kind of people like Cory Bernardi, they don't, uh, they, they fully are in the tel- terra nullius mindset of, you know, even the idea that we were here well after indigenous landowners were, um, is just a foreign concept to him. So he likes – for him, it's like a funny little game to trigger anyone who – trigger, quote, unquote – like anyone who would even respect that in the bare terms of it.
0: I mean, like, yeah, that really – does seem to give evidence to the idea that they all just see any type of law and legislation as something that they can work around and play games with. It's like it's
2: like conservatives who um, who get into local council and get rid of what they call red tape, which is basically any sort of environmental or like laws to <laughs> stop developers. It's exactly yeah. the same thing. They see traditional landowners and traditional land claims as red tape. So when it comes to Fucking something hell. like. You know, the Duke and Gorge or any sort of investigation into how fracking and gas companies destroy the land. For them, it's red tape. Like, let's just get this out of the way. Yeah, we can have a bit of a chat about it. Oh, yeah, we're really sorry, but the damage is already
1: done. I mean, and let's keep in mind that the laws that are meant to be protecting people, like in the case of Duke and Gorge, it was the Western Australian Aboriginal Heritage Act. That was written in 1972. Yeah, these are not new
2: concepts.
1: No, well, th- that's not, like, let's think about Australia in 1972 and the legal protections afforded to Aboriginal people and native title. Like, yeah, any law made about then is, is going to keep out an oil company like a fucking screen door keeps out a bulldozer. <laughs> like the lawyers writing law- laws back in those times weren't like, yeah, let's set this stuff in stone. We've got to protect... Indigenous heritage. No, they didn't give a shit. The worst yeah.
2: part is, is that there's always, you know, in the in modern history, there is a rich history of climate activists and environmental activists doing all they can to protect Australia on the basis of it being native land. You think of like the, the Jabaluka mines that Peter Garrett was involved in protecting, like as an activist, not as a politician. I should point out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, when he went to the Labor Party, he's super Really weird, have
2: to make the difference there. Fucking- <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, th- there is a long history of it in Australia of recognising that part of the reason, not only for environmental means, but this is land which we're visiting upon. This is land that we don't own. Mm,
1: for sure. But, you know, as far as everyone in power is concerned, Australia is just one big coal mine with some annoying people living in it. And the thing we we keep saying is that the government is working fucking hard to try and get all of this oil and gas out of the ground as fast as we can. But even fossil fuel companies are often hesitant about it because if you know anything about the global economy and if you have any predictive power or object permanence, you can see that... <laughs> The fossil fuel industry is stuffed, like, but it's neck and neck with whether the fossil fuel industry dies first or the rest of the environment, because we can't have both. <laughs> um, and so you've got things like BHP, which is basically slashing fossil fuel assets. About a week ago, BHP considered its Mount Arthur thermal coal mine in the Hunter Valley, the Hunter Valley being, I believe that is Joel Fitzgibbon's, um... Joel Fitzgibbon's electorate. BHP considers that coal mine a liability now. Uh, It's slashed (laughs) hundreds of millions of dollars from its value. They probably also consider the entire electorate a liability, as do we all. Um, That's the largest operating coal mine in New South Wales.
0: And it's a liability.
1: And it's a liability. It was worth two billion (laughs) a few years ago. It was cut by more than a billion in January and it's continued to be cut. It is now worth negative. $200 $200 million. <laughs> so. <laughs> they have to
0: pay me $200 million to take it off my hands. I'll do it, yeah. by the way.
1: <laughs> so that, like, it's not only is fossil fuels... A liability to everyone who breathes air on the planet. It's also a liability to the goddamn fossil fuel industry. <laughs>
0: <And> <laughs> it's a liability to the lizards that don't need air, apparently, who right? want to keep, like, just making as much money as possible. Even they're just like, fuck this, no way.
1: You've got Origin Energy who are like, we got to get out of coal. They are, they are actively, like, expecting to turn off their generating units um, for extended periods of time, they're trying to get out of their their fossil fuel sort of investments because all of these things are dying. And we've covered this a few times in the past. But the government is just trying to keep it on life support with taxpayer money because the planet isn't going to heat itself up enough to incubate their eggs unless they <laughs> do.
2: Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
1: I I briefly talked uh, a week ago or so about Angus Taylor's like it's is this thing people are calling coal keeper? That's so fucked.
0: It's just. Oh, I hate the way that that worm has just worked its way out and Scott Morrison has been effective in making things. Like like X-Gate for scandals, making a, a, a X-Keeper whenever they're doing a wealth transfer to their fucking industry friends.
1: Like, it's just... Yeah. Like, say um, what you all about Scott Morrison. He, he has some pithy phrases. Um, Does he? Okay. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Like, despite the government, like, really, really working, um, and by the government, mostly it's, it's Angus Taylor and friends, really working to keep renewables <laughs> suppressed, um, to, like, get rid of the renewables funding, to make it harder to build wind and solar and other renewables, to give money hand over fist to fossil fuels. Renewables are just unstoppably more economically uh, functional than fossil fuels, mm. because if you build a renewable power station, suddenly- uh, it just makes electricity effectively for free uh, and you can't compete with that. And so, <laughs> yeah. Australia, for the first time, just for, for a, a window, oh, so good. made more solar power than it did coal power. Um, that it's was on, really cool. That was on Sunday about a week ago. For the first time, Australia made more solar power than coal power. Now, that's obviously, you know, just it, it went up for a bit and then it's gone back down. But these little these little thresholds keep getting past.
0: It's just incredible that those thresholds keep getting passed despite the fact that the people with ostensibly the most amount of power in the country yeah. are not wanting it to happen. Like, this is how unstoppable the change is to green tech and it's how irresponsible and horribly evil the Liberal Party is in this whole thing is that the market is pushing it. It is squeezing yeah. us through the grate to get to fucking renewable energy. It can't be stopped at this point, but even then they're trying to put the handbrakes on and... Like, yep. um, just imagine what it might be like if the government was fully behind it. Yeah, We had, you know, for, for, for a very small moment, on a Sunday afternoon, we had more than 50% of renewable energy in the grid. And that's with Angus Taylor and his Coal Keeper subsidy and trying to register gas as a fucking green energy and a clean energy and all of this shit that's been going on. We could be fucking miles ahead by now.
1: Yeah, Angus Taylor's just got the handbrake on at all times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's, I don't know, it's upsetting, especially because we could mm. be miles ahead and the fossil fuel industry would be happy about that in a weird way.
1: Well, the energy industry would be, yeah.
0: Weird, well, yeah, but I mean, that, that's what I'm saying.
2: Well, yeah, because they all pivot to all their different streams. Like, you know, y- you yeah. already mm. see every fuel company that has its own stream of like, you know, getting money from solar, but apparently that's still not enough.
1: Yeah. I mean, because if you make money without renewables, Angus Taylor will give you free money. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, yeah. And, and like you're saying, the, the fact that just the free market, which famously does not give a shit about anything but money is going towards renewables is terrifying to these people. So, Angus Taylor's coal keeper policy basically means uh, they're going to give taxpayer money or, or, you know, electrical user money, which every taxpayer uses electricity. So, it kind of works out to be the same thing. <laughs> they're going to give money to energy providers that have fossil fuel power plants just sitting there. Um, They're going to pay coal power stations and and other power stations for the amount of electricity they could provide, but don't provide. Um, So, basically, they'll give you money for having an idle coal power station.
0: fuck's sake.
1: Nobody wants this.
0: Fuck. The whole point is that we want to get away from these coal plants. And what that looks like, and I don't think Angus Taylor knows this, is that the coal plants then won't be used. I mean, he
1: does know it. He knows it damn well. You need to disincentivize coal power plants. And the way you do that is by having renewables, which can make power cheaper for free. Um, And the problem is that's (laughs) happening. So, when you have a huge amount of solar power, that is free power, basically. Middle of the day, free power. A coal power plant can't compete with that because their power is so expensive. Running a coal power plant is so expensive. And that means during the middle of the day, the guy selling solar power is like, who wants some power for, like, I don't know, almost free? And the coal power plant's like, who wants some power for, like, a lot of money? And everyone's (laughs) like, well, we're going to take the solar power. And the coal power plant's like, I guess I'll turn off my power plant for a while then. And Angus Taylor's like, no, my eggs!
0: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Angus Taylor runs in in slow-mo with, do you ever know you're my hero playing? He's like, no, and just gives them a huge bag of money.
1: (laughs) Because ideally what would happen there is the coal power plant goes, I guess I'll just, like not run a couple of these spare coal powers. I guess I'll build some batteries instead and take advantage of the new bloody uh, landscape. I guess we'll adapt to this new system where we have cheap, free power in the middle of the day and can save it up and store it in ways. No. So, this is part of the energy security board, which is just some Australian body that does things uh, related to energy security. Fucking why am I explaining this? Um, Rubber stamp shit for the Liberal Party. Yeah, it's it's, it's just another government sort of chunk. Um, But it's mostly Angus Taylor and friends pushing this thing. And they reckon that by having this extra fee going towards stations for capacity, it's going to cost uh, a standard household about up to $400 a year extra. For this, Fuck me. For this thing. That's $400 a year per household going to fossil fuel power stations to do nothing. <laughs> just thanking them for their service.
0: Sorry, I
2: this is like one of those things that just makes me... I think should be enough of a galvanising force to people to just think, you know, you constantly get told about the individual things that you can do to, you mm-hmm. know, stop climate change, but then you see, like, you don't have a choice in this matter. You don't have a choice yeah. in the fact that your money is going to fossil fuel producers. What the hell are you supposed to do about that?
1: Yeah, because that's the thing is is... That individual thing where it's like, oh, you know, if we all do the right thing, everything will get better. In theory, that's nice. It doesn't work because we live in a system and we don't often have options. But we can see Say here. Say the line, Lang. What, what was, what's the line? Say the line. We,
2: yeah, we live, live in, in a society. society.
1: <laughs> oh, we, we do live in a society. Yeah. <laughs> we do. But we can see here that even when emergent market demands and consumer forces and all of that do push things um, in the right direction for more renewables, the government takes a look at that and they go, mm, 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 nah, uh, uh, I'm going to okay. just put my finger on that scale and push it back the other way. And without taking that out, without stopping that part of the system that will actively fight those individual consumer actions, you, you're powerless as individuals. If, if someone who runs the system says, mm, I'm not going to allow that to happen, then your individual, like, installing of a solar panel isn't going to fix the problem. Yeah,
0: and sometimes they might even charge you You've money. You've got
1: to fight the politics.
0: Yeah, yeah the politics yeah. can set it up that it will cost you money to have a solar panel on your individual house. So, like, <sighs> yeah- but yet, yet again, as a shocking revelation to listeners of not good enough, <laughs> uh, the, the problems system. are political. Yeah. <laughs> the problems are weird. Um, if you've just tuned in, the problem is political. <laughs> if you've just woken
2: up from a sixteen-year coma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, this is something somewhat um, related to what we've been talking about. But uh, a note that McLean had put in the um, in the show notes that he's not here today for has just been about how the IPCC report has just sort of dissipated into the ether and no one's talking about it already, essentially. Mm. Um, I know we talked about how there will be another report coming out soon, which is like it it, it targets the social levers and it talks about the actual solutions and things you can do. And I have a feeling it's going to say that the problems are political. But one really good idea that uh, McLean put in here and something that I do think is... An interesting sort of take Is the just the idea that You know We're currently getting Constant overwhelming updates On the minutia of COVID We're getting Not only yeah. the number of cases But the number of people in hospital The number of people isolating During their infectious period All that sort of stuff um, We're also getting Like fairly constant updates On the number of people In planes coming out of Afghanistan um, yeah. But we haven't been getting These daily updates On the on climate change Or what the Australian government Is doing to address it And we really fucking should This is something that my friends did ages and ages ago. It never got up. But one thing that they wanted to do, they had this campaign, they had a petition, they were trying to get it up, I think it was the ABC at the time, of um, Today in Science. Because you know how we've got these, like, the news is set up in a certain way that it's got the sensational, horrible, gory pornography stuff up top, and then it just moves into stock market shit, and then there's sports, and then there's weather, and then there's a feel-good story. All of that is a choice made by people at those stations. Mm. And it because it's been that way for so long, it's really hard to think that, like, who the fuck is watching nine news for stock market updates? Do you know what I mean? Or, like, why is sports at the end and not the beginning? And blah, 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 blah. So why not have, uh, like, the the weekly or the daily science update as a project? Um, and it's because it's not sexy and, you know, people need to make it sexy. But by we should 100%... Last time I I checked, COVID
1: isn't sexy. (laughs)
0: No, but it is is in a way that it's terrifying And that gets clicks and stuff But we could have updates on the Australian climate change response daily And that would make it important to Australians And it would hold politicians to account
2: Yeah You're touching on an age-old problem Which is the fact that the media thirsts for blood And that will always lead lead breaking news Or the impending nature of blood I always think of it in the funniest possible way Which is when, do you remember the Joker movie?
0: (laughs) Never saw it. No, I'd write that from my
2: mind. <laughs> Anyone remember the Joker movie? Anyway, um, yes, it, yes. it was just <laughs> – we did li- we do, in fact, live in a society. Anyway, um, so when the movie came out, one thing that really was so funny about it was that every single media commentator in the US particularly just seemed to have – this desire, a weird desire for a lone wolf shooting to come out of it, it was very odd. Like they were like, "Oh yeah, yeah. this movie is for incels." And then when I went to go see the movie, I was like, <laughs> "I don't understand where this has come from.
0: This <laughs> is because you're an incel, agent. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Have the, Finally, the movie
2: for me. I, I, I'm excuse <laughs> me. I have the bull cell mindset. Thank you very much. Oh. Anyway. It, like, it All is right. just – it is literally just a movie about a dude who flips his shit and decides that, like, you know, he lives in an unfair society, but – for some reason, like, the it's almost like the media, like, the way they were breathlessly reporting about it, is that they really wanted a tragedy to happen. And that I has mean, just yeah. sort of changed the way that I look at how news broadcasts happen. It's like they always lead up top with, like, the worst thing that could possibly happen. It's just even endemic in the way we talk about the coronavirus. Obviously, a international pandemic is a scary thing in and of itself. But it benefits the media to lead with that sort yeah. of pervasive atmosphere of fear
0: and that and that's why we had the whole issue with blood clots and the branding Mm. of the vaccines is because we didn't have cases of coronavirus in the country at the time yeah that was under control and yet the 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 media landscape still had to have some sort of horrible panicky story to lead with so it was blood clots in you know one in one in 50,000 people or whatever it is like of course it had to be something terrifying
2: The worst part about that is that it alters the perception of risk too because it is such a small – like vanishingly small risk that is on par with pretty much all other vaccines too to have that blood clot risk. Mm -hmm. And it's – like I don't know whether it was actually – this was confirmed by the scientific study, but one of one scientific study actually found that that was due to the injection method. So yeah, it wasn't uh, even the yeah, the yeah. vaccine yeah. itself. Anyway, I like yeah. you know I digress, but it's still the same thing. You're right, Mitch. It's like the perception of risk gets altered by leading with that kind of scare tactic news.
1: Well, it's a couple of things too. A, the media doesn't know what they're talking about because there are very few journalists out there who moonlight as immunologists. And so they're getting a report <laughs> and they're, they're looking for the, the, you know, ooh, the headlines. Um, but then also it's a self-reinforcing, um, news cycle. If one outlet is saying, Oh, what? This could be a thing. Another outlet can be like, everyone's talking about this thing. Why is everyone talking about the thing? Is the thing totally. actually? And then you're suddenly like, what fucking? No one was talking about it. What are you talking about? Um, and, and speaking as someone who, who works in science communication, the media sucks at science. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because they do the, the easy, big, dumb, here's a news headline for 12 year olds thing. And they don't <laughs> examine things or join the dots. So the media loves, oh, what? They've invented a new robot. Oh, but they don't go, did we need a new robot? Ah, how is society going re-robots? Uh, how does that <laughs> work with labour, uh, like labour rights and stuff? Um, you know, or, or they go, oh, scientists have invented a cure for cancer. Well, it's not quite that simple. But if you said scientists have discovered a new protein that affects the brains of mice, you wouldn't have a headline, would you? The media doesn't want to tell you stuff. They just want to sell papers.
0: Yeah. But this, this is the weird thing for me just on climate change itself is that like you're 100% right in that the media can't do science coverage right. They're only after the sensationalist story. But I would have thought that the bushfires and mm. the cities choked in red smoke made up of the noses of koalas was yeah. terrifying. It's because, enough, because I the solutions
2: the- for that aren't individual. They're structural. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
0: well- know, they can't mention that sort of thing. It's just,
1: yeah. It's a more complicated story. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That that's part of the problem as well. Is that like you know I don't think in the Channel Ten bulletin you're gonna get someone going like oh the floods in Turkey and the bushfires in Serbia are directly linked to the bushfires in you know Southeast New South Wales.
1: Exactly. but,
0: But we're gonna fucking have to. It is a choice. The media are choosing not to report on things properly or at all or too much. And I just the thing that McLean always keeps coming back to, and in lieu of his absence, I will come back to it as well. These journalists live on the same planet as us. Mm. They will have to get on board at some point. They will have to start talking about this properly at some point.
1: And I think that's what it is. And I read these stories because they are constantly coming up. Oh, why did my apricot crop fail? Oh, what's happened to the snow gums? Oh, what a flood. Crazy. Um, And they they often don't go, this is because of climate change and that's because of fossil fuels. Or they might go, oh, the world is warming. Oh, what's. But then they kind of move on. They don't draw these links because, and I think, I can't, I can't be sure what's happening inside the minds of man, but I think <laughs> that journalists can be a bit afraid to draw those links because their editors will go, why did you have this paragraph here about the Beetaloo Basin? That's not linked to this story about snow gums dying. Well, it is. Um, yeah. You know, if, if a journalist says, oh, this, apric- this farmer's apricot crop failed, that's because climate change- by the way, Australia exports bloody <laughs> two thirds of its emissions. It's systemic, dummy. The editor would be like, "Ah, oh, let's not get mm. political here." <laughs> um, and yeah. and you said before about having um, a part of the news about science or even about climate. We have that. It's called the weather report. Um.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yet another unprecedented day As a daily, weekly, monthly And yearly record was broken Who can say why? Moving on It's a
1: balmy July day (laughs) Get out to the beach, kids Uh, Where are the bees? Don't worry about it Um, But (laughs) here's the thing Is the Whether reporters on different TV channels are, you know, linked to those channels and are are obviously kind of going with whatever the vibe of that channel is.
2: I will say this, though. Jane Bunn, who's on Channel 7, is a meteorologist and she has to quite frequently smack down people who... uh, who, like, when she, whenever she points out, like, you know, the change in the seasons, and she mm. says, like, you know, it's unseasonably warm, um, this is like, you know, been a new peak and this is due to changing climate patterns. Mm. She gets, like, a million boomers in her social media comments, yeah. like, freaking out about her mentioning climate at all. And Fuck she has off. to, yeah. like, go back and say, well, this is due to climate change. You know, she, yeah. l- sh- like... Obviously I have a massive Jane Bunn bias here but um, <laughs> it is, no, it that's is good. it's yeah. genuinely interesting to see uh, a news uh, like a weather reporter and a meteorologist making that effort to say like you know educate people about why yeah. the climate is changing.
1: Well that's the thing cuz weather reporters are generally meteorologists they do know their shit that's why they have that job they're meteorologists who also happen to be very good looking. Um <laughs> The ones who aren't are in Antarctica somewhere. Um, (laughs) And and any any weather report that isn't talking about climate pretty much every single time is not doing their job well. And so, I'm really glad that there is a bit of a movement for them to do it. Um, But again, they are often, it depends on the station that they're with and what they're allowed to say. But the Bureau of Meteorology in Australia is actually not pulling its weight. And that's because they're kind of linked to the government. They, even though they know their shit, they are very kind of, I don't want to say gagged, but they're kind of gagged. They keep ju- <laughs> being prevented from specifically talking about climate by the government, linking their, their findings to say, oh, this has happened and that's because of climate change. The government goes, Hmm, can you just take out this thing about climate change? Can you, instead of- Calling this uh, climate change stuff. Can you call this oh, weather drivers or or stuff like Fuck that? Me dead. Um me there's, there's a report that we'll link. Um, but it was it's quite shocking to me because this is the kind of place that you should expect to go to to get good information. It's got good scientists, but the fucking government just has its fingers in it. It's Crazy. preventing people from having an understanding of the day-to-day things that are going on. And so, when people go, oh. Oh, a very warm day in July. Oh, I wonder what that's about. They are left without a good avenue to explain it to them.
0: Yeah, Bureau of Meteorology just post a fucking emoji
1: shrug. And uh, it's just like, what? What are you going to do? <laughs> oh, starting to detect a trend.
0: Shout outs this week.
2: Beyond Bricks and Bars, it's a trans and gender diverse decarceration project. It's a peer-led community project that provides direct support to trans and gender diverse people in prison at risk of incarceration and those returning to their communities from prison. They're fantastic. They're doing a fundraiser at the moment. So um, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, There's a chuff.org link. It is Incredible work, especially with regards to just ideas about prison abolition and decarceration and just helping people who come out of prison stay out of prison. Um, so in August 2021, they received a grant from Transgender Victoria, um, the Big Ideas Grant. So this is just building on that work. It's a really wonderful cause and we really, really encourage you to donate.
0: Fuck Yeah. Um, One other thing for a shout out is uh, solidarity with all of the truck drivers going on strike probably in the future. So at time of recording, uh, we're recording on the 29th, but two days ago on the 27th on a Friday, um, truck drivers from Toll, Bev, Chain, Lynn Fox and a bunch of others uh, went on strike uh, protesting what they're calling the Uberization of the trucking industry. um, Essentially making a heap of drivers go from full-time contracts to casuals Um, that obviously, as we've seen, results in in really shit and unsafe working conditions. The pay turns to shit as well. And by all rights, they need to protest against that stuff and stop. Mm. Um, But the companies were being shit with the negotiations. So a bunch of truck drivers went on strike. It did a number on a bunch of different um, logistics and routes and whatnot. And uh, the companies didn't come to the table properly. They, you know, were petulant little assholes about it. They didn't. Give in, and all power to the uh, transport workers' union. They also didn't back down, and so there's now a threat of more strikes happening in the future. And you know, you don't want to fuck with logistics. It's like it's logistics and nurses are uh, the two groups of workers that you really don't want going on strike for better, um, better conditions. And even if it affects you personally, it's for a very fucking good cause and we need to stand in solidarity with them, especially because if they have more and more support, then the strike can be over quickly and we can get back to a position where the people who just transport everything that we love around the country, we can keep them safe and we can actually get back to it. So solidarity with the the truckies on that one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also as a quick note That's not the QAnon red-pilled conspiracy theory Of all the truckies going on strike There's the legitimate one Tom Tanake has covered a lot of it (laughs) It's very fucking confusing And I resent them for it Uh... But there was a garbage non-existent Truckie general wildcat strike Which wasn't going to happen But then the TWU are also organising real strikes So solidarity (laughs) to those ones in particular Not the cooked ones (laughs) Fucking just brain-dead assholes Making it different. Difficult for me to, with a raised fist, to be like, not you though. Yeah. But, but also, but also, if they were part of the T W U strike, then solidarity with them as well. And it's, fucking, it's complicated. It's like dealing with Angus Taylor and Lou Basin. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. We would love it if you left us a little review, if you shared us across social media. All of our tags are at notgoodpod. And if you just told some people about us. You know how you're Mm. always having those heated discussions with family members that you hate about how bad the climate is and how we need to work on it and that climate change is real? Just drop in this amazing source full of authorities and authoritative voices of people that know what they're talking about. Not Good Enough, the podcast. Yeah, um, <laughs>
1: <we> tie them <laughs> to a chair, force them to listen.
0: Yeah, but also send it to your friends. We want, more than, we want listeners that will stay around for more than one episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't tie someone to a chair for more than one episode. They, that is just, just not nice.
2: Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders and sovereignty was never ceded.